0: Homestyle Green, episode 91, vicus Design, how Glenn Murdoch is creating a healthy society. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast all about inspiring people to build a better place to live. I'm Matthew cutler Welsh, the host of the show. And I am speaking this week, I'm very happy to have on the show, Glenn Murdoch. Now, Glenn is a smart guy and he's a Passive House designer currently based in Christchurch. And I've known Glenn for for quite a while, um, from back when he was doing some, getting involved in Passive House down in Queenstown and, and Wanaka. And he's moved up into Christchurch and is doing some really cool stuff there, not just with Passive House but also with with Prefab and, um, yeah, kind of building parts of houses in his factory in Christchurch. And I think it's some really exciting low-tech in some ways, but some definitely some new ideas, certainly new ideas for New Zealand. So before we get into that, um, which is a fantastic interview, just want to do a quick shout-out to the sponsor of the show, Nodora, and I'm very grateful to nodora I've been sponsoring the show for a few months now and really helping to get the message out there. And if you are looking at doing a renovation or a new build, then check out EnergyEfficientBuilding.co.nz. Not only is this a great system for insulating around the edges of the concrete slab, which if you have listened to any of these episodes, you'll know that I'm very passionate about insulating concrete slabs very well. Neodora will do that, but they'll also not stop there. You can carry on with the insulated concrete form system all the way up, build your walls quite quickly, but more importantly, very energy efficiently, and they also, the system, the ICF system is very, very um, airtight in a good way, and that's, uh, for those that have listened to episodes about airtightness, that's about control, it's about having a a well-sealed building when you want it to be well, well sealed so check out energyefficientbuilding.co.nz or you can have a look at their international site nudora.com. for more information on this week's podcast you can head over to homestylegreen.com forward slash 91 and i'll put all the links in there to um vicus design vicus design i should say and also Glenn Murdoch, and uh, we can get uh, in touch with him. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Let's get into it. I started out by asking Glenn why he does what he does.
1: A few years ago, um, I watched a TED talk by a guy called Simon Sinek, um, and his talk was about uh, Start With Why was the name of his talk. Mm -hmm. And um, and this guy, he's a marketing guy, and he was talking about how really successful companies don't talk to publicly about what they do. They talk about why they do it. Yep. And, and, and that got me thinking really carefully about my business and, and why we do what we do. And what I realized is that at the time I was, I was working as a designer, and what I realized is that I'm not actually in the business of designing and building houses. What I'm in the business of doing and what my strong belief is, is that we need to live in a healthier society. And oh. based on the skill set that I've got, I can contribute to that goal by, by designing and building healthier homes. Um, and that kind of really led me on a journey around discovering what our business could do and be and become, and, and that's kind of where, where the that was the genesis of where we are now.
0: So you were a designer before that?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yep. So I was. I mean, I was doing my best to design energy efficient homes, um, you know, muddling along the best I could. Uh-huh. Um, but that, but that really got me thinking. That really sparked something for me, um, and, and got me thinking really really carefully about what it is that I was doing and why I was going about it. Um, and that led me down the path around passive house and prefabrication and panelisation and all those things that we're involved in now.
0: Yeah, right. So before that, would you sort of consider yourself uh, a, a typical designer with not really a an environmental uh, persuasion?
1: No, I guess I always had an environmental persuasion, but what I didn't have was the technical knowledge to really back it up. I was doing what I was doing the best I could with the knowledge that I had. Right. Um. But I, and, and it kind of, it also came about because, so quite a while ago, I was looking for uh, for a tool to use, an empirical tool to demonstrate both to myself and to my clients that I was doing you know, the job that I thought I was doing. So this is back in 2006. Yeah. Um, and you might remember that the, um, the HERS scheme, the Home Energy Rating Scheme, was about then. Mm-hmm. So I got quite heavily involved in that. Um, and what I learned out of that was the HERS scheme. Um, was good for what it was designed to do, but it had its, it really had its flaws when it came to designing really highly energy efficient homes. And then that scheme sort of you know fell out of politically fell out of favour and, and and died away. So then I started looking around, and it was kind of then I was thinking, look, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. Yeah. And I looked around and sort of said, well, what's the best in the world? Who who does it best? If those folks over in Europe seem to be doing a pretty good job, how do they do it? Uh, and then I discovered the Passive House Standard, and and just at coincidentally, at the same time, there was um, someone in, in New Zealand who was offering some training in that. So I got jumped on that bandwagon straight away, or bandwagon's the wrong word. Eh? I, I studied that and came to understand that that was, if I really want to design and build energy efficient homes, that's the way to go.
0: So for you, it was about wanting to quantify what energy efficiency meant and being able to communicate that to your clients?
1: Exactly, exactly. And one of the great things I love about the Passive House Standard is that it's not what I was doing before, which was um, sort of throwing a bunch of inputs into a design, for example let 's thicken up the walls and put some more insulation in and put these sorts of windows in, yep. and not really understanding what would come out the other end, so the, the, the that was kind of guesswork. philosophy the basic philosophy of the passive house standard is is quite different it says let 's define an outcome, how much energy do, should we consume to keep a house warm and comfortable and dry and healthy. Mm-hmm and then design the inputs based on the climate that you're building in and the design of your house to achieve those outputs, and it's quite different.
0: So you really are starting with the end in mind.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. We So we start with a very specific outcome in mind.
0: Yeah. Um, Let's step back a little bit to business as usual. What do you see as the biggest issues with current typical house design?
1: I think that... I think that largely the design industry is kind of stuck where I was a few years ago in that they're doing the best. I mean, I don't want to say that they're doing a bad job. They're doing the best that they can with the knowledge that they have. But I think there's a real step change that the design industry can make um, that can improve what we're doing. Uh, And I think people are generally at the moment designing with inputs, um, using Sort of historical and traditional um, passive solar design techniques, for example, um, and not really understanding or knowing what the outcome is going to be. And I mean, often it's going to come out fine, no argument with that. A lot of them are doing, you know, having some really good results, but it strikes me that it's a little bit finger in the wind. Um, and I've always had quite a scientific mind, so that doesn't ring my
0: bell. Right. Are you talking about all people who are? drawing pictures of houses, or are you talking about um, those that kind of want to get it right?
1: I'm talking, I guess, about those that want to get it right. I think if we talk about sort of the great unwashed masses, I think that generally um, the the industry in general does a truly appalling job. Right. Uh, and Why uh, is that? Uh, well, well, there's this thing we've got, this wonderful document we've got called the Building Code, which sets minimum <laughs> performance standards, and people see that as a target, not as a minimum standard to... Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think that, um, especially if we think about volume building, that that's that's what they strive to achieve is that minimum standard just to get it across the line. And what we can see is that really clearly is that that really doesn't provide good quality housing.
0: So you're sort of describing three cohorts of people there. There's there's the unwashed masses, as you call them, the the, the vast bulk of housing that's being produced out there, which you say is pretty appalling. Then there's a smaller section which are a bunch of designers who want to do things right but are kind of guessing. And then there are some others who have got some quantitative tools that are helping them get the right outcomes.
1: Yeah, I think that's quite good. And, and I think that middle group that you described there, I think I think that underway is a real improvement in the skills and the knowledge of those people. I can, and, and the more I talk to people, the more I can see that people are starting to understand that what we're doing isn't necessarily right. And that doesn't mean it was bad. We've done the best we could with the knowledge that we had, but we can do better. And I think that that group of people is really starting to move forwards now.
0: Had Elrond Burrell on the show and also John Iliff and both talking about Passive House. And one of the things that often comes up whenever we talk about that, probably particularly with that middle group, is a bit of resistance to Passive House. Yep. What's that all about from your point of view? Um,
1: I... I don't know really, but I wonder if it's just a general uh, reluctance to change. People are set in their ways, for mm-hmm. want of a better term. And that's that's all I can put it down to.
0: So what about the argument that it's unnecessary, it's over the top for the New Zealand climate?
1: Yep, I think that's absolutely uh, not correct. And the reason is because all it does is define an outcome, remember. It yep. doesn't say that I have to design in this way or build in this way or have, you know, 2000 you know r2000 walls or whatever the hell it might be Mm what it does is say look here's an appropriate level of energy that's sustainable to use to keep your home warm and dry and healthy that's all it says that's it it doesn't dictate to me at all how i go about designing what construction methods i use
0: but it does say
1: you need to be airtight correct it does yep but that's the reason for that, though, is, is just simply backed up by valid research that's been done across the world and repeated all over the world. It's backed up by good science.
0: And then, what do you say when when people say, "But that's not the way Kiwis live"?
1: Yeah, sure. And what I say is, well, the the best analogy I've got is: if is uh, I live in Christchurch, and if I go outside on a cold winter's morning when the when it's nice and still, I can wear a woolly jersey and I'm quite warm because the woolly jersey is doing its job. Eh? It's trapping all that still air. Mm-hmm. As soon as the wind blows, though, my woolly jersey doesn't work, yep. and it's, it's exactly the same with, with a house. As soon as air starts moving through the structure, the insulation simply doesn't work. Um, and, and if I go down to any um, any hardware store and buy a bale of insulation, it doesn't matter what the insulation is made of. It'll say, you know, R two point six say on, on the label on on the bale. Yep. And that that number though comes from a very specific test conducted under a very specific set of circumstances which, unless we make it airtight, do not exist in a house, in a structure. So in order for the, simply that's just one reason we make it airtight, but just for the insulation to actually work.
0: Right and that's a that's a really good analogy of the jersey and what you're talking about is the the structure and I think this is a, an important distinction. We're talking about the the structure of the house being airtight, not the whole thing being thematically sealed. That's exactly right. still got openings.
1: That's exactly right. And airtight is really the wrong word. A better word is probably structure protection.
0: Structure protection.
1: Yeah. And and you're right. That that word gets used. You're right. People think that they're going to be living in a plastic bag, which is simply not true. You're right. Open your damn windows. That's no problem.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I always reframe that airtightness as control. Uh, Yeah, that's that's another good word, yeah. You're reducing the infiltration, which is the uncontrolled airflow, and allowing for ventilation, which is the stuff that you're in control of. So when a window's open, it's open, but when it's closed, it's closed.
1: That's right. I want to get fresh air into my house when I choose to open the window, not when the cold southerly blows.
0: Yeah, yeah. What would be the most important things for people to consider? If someone's just embarking on a journey of doing a renovation for an existing house or... Building a, a new house, what would be this top three things that you'd recommend that they need to consider?
1: Choose a good designer that understands um, how to how to you know how to achieve what they're after. Uh, so, a lot of people talk about um, the way to achieve an energy efficient house is to make it airtight, to put the right amount of insulation, and to have the right windows. That's that's that comes down the track. Yep. The first step is good design. Yeah, um, and without good design. It's, you're going to struggle. Uh-huh. So that's that would be the, the number one good design.
0: How do you how do you find a good designer?
1: Do you want my phone number?
0: <laughs> we'll we'll give it out. Of, we'll give it out at the show. We'll, we'll certainly tell people where they get get hold of you. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Well, look, I think design isn't just about energy efficiency as well. Design encompasses a whole range of different things. And and I think what's really important is that people understand exactly what it is that they're after. What are they trying to achieve? Uh-huh. Now, I really hope that one of them is energy efficiency. And more and more I'm seeing that, that people understand that energy efficiency and, and the health and comfort of their home also is is really important. Um, so I'd hope that that would be in a in a design brief that anybody was given. Right. Um, but beyond that, there's also, you know, aesthetics and, and context and all sorts of other things, urban planning, all sorts of things that design comes in. So what you really need to do is, is I think have a very clear understanding of the outcomes you want and then quiz your designer or your potential designer. How, how do you know about this? Demonstrate to me how you can perform in these areas and don't just choose one, go and choose several, you know, in, investigate and, and, uh, and interview several.
0: Yep. Yep. I like that. Interview them. What else? So find a good designer.
1: Yep. Second one would be then um, a good build team. So if we assume that we're going to go down this path, and maybe it's not going to be a passive house, but it's going to be airtight, and those t- we're going to implement some of those technical things, yep. you need to have a builder that understands and that doesn't necessarily mean a builder that's experienced in it. It means a builder that is really willing to come along on the journey with you, understands your goals, and is willing to learn along the way. Because there's heaps of help out there. You, know, you don't need to throw your builder in the deep end and just let him sink or swim. There's plenty of help. Right. Um, so that's the second thing, is to, is to kind of complete that team by having a builder and his subcontractors that understand what it is you're trying to achieve.
0: I think that's an important point because people often get a bit hamstrung by trying to find someone who's done all this before when yep. the reality is it's, they, the, their attitude is probably more important than Absolutely, that, that's exactly
1: right. Yeah, There's a bit
0: of dearth of – there are a few builders I would suggest that have done um, a, a full passive house building or or even close to that.
1: That's exactly right. Or even considered or understand or have heard about air tightness. Yeah. So it's not that they've done it before. It's that they understand and they're willing to learn.
0: Okay. And anything else?
1: The third thing is is really um, quality control, yep, um, and that comes through the the design and documentation process, making sure that your designer is actually coming up to the mark around what your outcomes and expectations are, um, and then also through the build process, having some third party verification of that the the, the job's been done properly, and this is where, for example, blower door testing comes in really well.
0: Right. Should homeowners project manage their own build?
1: No, absolutely not. Um, nice. <laughs> I'd be surprised if you've heard something different than that. Um, yeah. No, um, project managing. I mean, a build. It's it's not rocket science, but it sure as hell isn't easy. It's not like you know, cooking a three course dinner that everyone can do. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a long and complicated process, and poor management of it only makes it go slower and ends up costing more. Yeah. So I'm I'm very a strong believer that it's worth investing a little bit of money in your builder's time. Um, to, to have them project manager and make sure the job goes smoothly.
0: Let's talk about, um, I've got the name, I'm going to get the name wrong, Vikas? Correct. I got it right. You did. W- where's Vikas from?
1: Sure. So, so this came out of uh, that, listening to that Simon Sinek talk uh-huh. and, and starting to think about why I do what I do. And I, I arrived at this, you know, this understanding that well, what I'm actually doing is creating healthy society. So then I thought about the brand that I had at that time, and realised that it really didn't describe that at all. So I, so I decided to to rebrand my company, and I went on a journey around, you know, trying to find the right word, and I eventually stumbled across the word Vicus, which is simply the Latin word for community or society.
0: Right. So it's the URL, not, the URL was you, available. So you know, right. that's important. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not just about making houses.
1: No, that's right. And what and and the journey since that point, which is a few years ago. What I've realized is that if I, my purpose or the, the company's purpose is to create healthy societies, and we do that by providing buildings that are you know, as healthy and warm and comfortable as we can, actually designing and building them, that might not be the most effective way. Maybe there's other things that I can think about at my company doing that will have greater impact. For example, education.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So I don't necessarily – what I've learned is that my company isn't restricted to designing and building houses or whatever type of building. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that I can do that fulfills the company's purpose.
0: And is that part of your events that you've got coming up? Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Yep, That's exactly right. So, for example, tomorrow – so we've just started erecting um, a penalized, prefabricated house in Christchurch, and it won't be a certified passive house, but it does meet the standard. Um, so tomorrow we've invited a whole bunch of people there's going to be TV cameras and blah 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 there um, just to watch not only what an energy efficient house looks like but also a new way of construction where we've built it in a factory and we're trucking it out to site and it goes up very quickly so, that, so, 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 so that's, this is part of the education thing that my company does now where we share our knowledge and, um, and I mean, there's a lot of people say but aren't you giving away your competitive advantage well no because I'm achieving the purpose of my company
0: yeah right and I would imagine that people will see that and say, oh, gee, I want one of those and yes. I want I want that yep. guy to build it and design yeah. it. Um, so hopefully it will draw attention. Now we're going to do a bit of a, a funky time warp here because by the time this goes out um, tomorrow, will be in the past. So where, where can people go to uh, check out, the, will there be a video and, and some um, media coverage of the assembly of the the prefabricated house,
1: yeah. So, uh, TV1 has been quite excited about it. So, they um, will be showing something that they're telling me on Wednesday, the 12th of November, or Thursday, the 13th, right? Um, so, almost, and I'm assuming that that will be on the website. Oh, you can sure. also just get to our website, um, which is just vicus.co.nz, and go to the projects page and the Matea home, and you can see a time lapse video there of the entire project.
0: Awesome, we'll definitely link that up and and uh, and and um let people watch that. What's the future of prefab, do you think, for New Zealand?
1: Um, I think that prefab in terms of building construction is absolutely where it's going to go. So everyone I talk to now, um, once they see and understand a little bit about prefab, go, well, this, this is what we need to do. And there's a few people doing it around the country now, but there's also some folks that are investing vast sums of money in prefabrication factories, yeah. and, and I mean that's got the potential to be complete game changers in the industry. Yeah. And I think that over the next few years, we're going to see an exponential increase in it. I mean, it, we've 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 done it. We've just, we've been very very careful about how we've gone about it. We're crawling before we walk, before we run, and we've got a very simple, low tech factory at the moment. We've got drop saws and nail guns in a in, in a warehouse, really really low tech.
0: I've seen sure. it. It's great. <laughs> you've got, but you've and you've got a jig there as well. You've got a yep, flat, right. yep, surface with some right angles on
1: it. Yeah, correct. So, so, so straight away, we make damn sure that every single um, panel, whether it's a floor or a wall or whatever, goes out the factory is dead square. Um, and just simply because we're in that factory environment, we don't need you know fancy computer controlled equipment to do good quality control and quality assurance in the factory environment.
0: So how does that make your walls better than pre-trust uh, stuff that gets delivered on the back of a truck yeah, sure. yep. to the
1: site? Yep. So for a start, it's been constructed in that um, environment where we've got very good quality control. Also, what we do is use decent timber. We don't, so we don't use sawn timber, for example. We're using all laminated timber. Yep. So then it's dimensionally accurate. Because it stays in that environment, when we move it out to site, it gets erected very quickly and it's already weathertight when it goes out to site. So the frames, this timber, doesn't get wet. So How, how is it
0: t- weathertight? So is leaving the factory with some cladding on?
1: Uh, at this stage, we're not putting cladding on, but the external surface has ply bracing and a, and a weatherproof membrane on it. Right. And the internal surface has, a, has an airtightness membrane, which is also weathertight. So it's pre-insulated when it leaves the factory. Um, So then we can erect that on site and keep the framing and the insulation perfectly dry. It also happens really quickly. So the risk of water getting in there is is minimised as well. So if you compare that, so this one we're doing at the moment in Christchurch, we're expecting to go, it's a two-storey house, about 180 square metres, uh, and we're expecting to go from a floor slab to a lockable building in five days. So if we compare that to a typical stick build, where the, the pre-nailed frames come from the factory, where those stick frames stand up in the weather for you know three, four, five, six weeks, yeah, and constantly move and swell and twist and bend during that wetting and drying process.
0: Because critically, with the, even if it rains during your five-day period, that's not going to matter too much. Because Correct, doesn't a, matter. That's we've right. Got a weatherproof. Correct. on the outside.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Um, And so it's it's pre-insulated. Are you pre-wiring or anything like that as well? Are you putting any services in?
1: Not at this stage, but this is part of the crawling before we walk, before we run. We'll definitely move towards that. Right. The next step will probably be installing windows inside the factory at the moment we're still doing that on site. Right. Um and then we can move towards probably external claddings or some types of external claddings anyway obviously not everything can be done in the factory.
0: Yeah. Do you have to get any consenting done? Uh- yeah.
1: Yep, so this is one of the great things about this. So what we've done is developed a, a, a QA process in the factory in a reporting system, and we've taken the local city council on that journey through us, through right. with us, and they're really excited about it. They love it. So they're quite mm-hmm. happy now for us to give them the report, and they'll sign off on is those that right? Yep.
0: So for for people that haven't come across that, they need to see the frame and the insulation before the lining goes on. Is that correct?
1: That's exactly right. So So typically on-site... A building inspector would come and inspect that you've installed the insulation. So we take photographs. Yeah. And they're quite happy with that, with the process that we've got. Also, we photograph all of the structural connections. Then The the engineer that's done the design work can just sign off on a PS4 or we've got an arrangement with our engineer to sign off on a PS4 um, having looked at that report. And then they can come and do spot checks and random audits as they need to, to ensure that we're continuing to do a good job.
0: Right. Um, hey, that's very exciting, and I think I agree that when once people see that, I think they're going to uh, do more of it, and either ask you to do it or, or start emulating it in their own way.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, I we're kind of at the forefront here a little bit, but I can see loads of people starting to do this now. Yeah, yeah. Tell we, us. Also, um, we haven't we haven't had to import any special skills or equipment or knowledge. We've we've you know we've we've Talk to some people that, that understand this, so yeah. especially engineers, um, but we've got local Kiwi builders that have just been like I said earlier, they're smart guys that are really keen to learn and they can think, um, and those guys have just come and, and made it really easy What's your scalability? Well, this is another great thing about, about prefabrication. So we've got a very small space, and at the moment we've got a team of three guys. So simply by, for example, adding another shift to the day, so you know, moving to two shifts per day, uh-huh. we can double our capacity. Um, we just need a little bit more space, and we can triple our capacity. So it, it's really easy to scale up. We just need yeah. a bit more space, and you, know, you just need a bigger warehouse. It's not, it's not difficult at all. Yeah,
0: nice, nice. Um. So that's one uh, big event you've got on tomorrow. Uh, You've got a couple other things going on. What what are you uh, doing next week?
1: So this year we entered the Sustainable Business Network um, National Sustainability Awards, Mm -hmm. and we were chosen as a finalist for that.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you very much. uh, So
0: what was the nomination for?
1: We are in the Mega Efficiency Innovation Academy.
0: Mega Efficiency. That's
1: exactly right. We are changing the world. Awesome. Um, so next week I'm up to Auckland for a nice black tie awards event for that, and hopefully we'll walk away with a nice award.
0: And is that about your design build process or about a specific house?
1: Uh, no, it's about the entire process that we've put together. So partly around the whole passive house thing, um, right. striving to achieve passive house, and then also the factory penalization method of, of implementing it.
0: We haven't talked price. Is it, does this do anything for affordability?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Christchurch is a really interesting environment at the moment where building houses is horrendously expensive. Yeah. And whether you build a code compliant house, it doesn't matter what you build, they're, they're really expensive. Um, so, what we've learned is that the, the the very small increase in cost to make a house a passive house is absolutely irrelevant compared to the general increase in building cost. Um,
0: Say this, that again. So, because most people would think, that passive house hugely expensive yep, it's uber sure. yep. efficient you 're saying that the costs to do that are insignificant relative to the general inflation of building costs
1: correct that 's what in, in christchurch that 's what i 've experienced wow
0: yeah. that's yeah, that 's huge that 's a that's game exactly changer cool.
1: but even if that wasn 't the case let 's assume that the underlying building cost had had stayed relatively stable yeah so clearly there 's an increased capital cost to to create to build a passive house. Um, and there's this really interesting conversation going on in New Zealand at the moment about affordable housing.
0: Yeah.
1: What that conversation isn't about affordable housing, it's actually about cheap housing, how to build them as cheaply as possible, mm. get down mm. to that you know, minimum standard. per square metre. Exactly, exactly. So what's interesting around passive houses is that because from day one the running costs are so low, and then there's all, just in terms of energy – there's also these sort of ancillary cost savings, which are very difficult to to put a dollar value on. So around you know reduced health costs and days off work and those types yeah. of things that are very difficult to put a number on. Being healthy. Being healthy, yeah, have, yeah. There's a, so, so a whole bunch of ancillary benefits, but if we just look at the the hard numbers that the capital cost and the running costs from day one, a passive house is cheaper.
0: So even with your laminated timber, your excellent high quality glazing your um, weather tightness uh, your weatherproof and are you weather proof and you're putting vapor barriers on there as well
1: no we're not putting vapor barriers that would be a really foolish move in new zealand we're putting an intelligent vapor control
0: vapor layer. control layer yeah um that's a that's a topic for another episode um air tightness in general attention to detail even with all of that and i imagine your windows aren't cheap
1: correct they're not
0: um you're saying that the costs are still slightly more but not not uh, over you know not hugely more That's and, right. and it's cheaper once you move in
1: exactly. so if we take if we when we have to compare apples with apples to do any sort of comparison. So, if we take a code compliant you know a building code compliant house yep. and a passive house of the same design and put them side by side and compare the costs, we have to assume that we're going to heat them both to a, to a warm and healthy and comfortable level to make any sort of meaningful comparison.
0: big assumption, but we'll go with it.
1: Yeah, sure, but yeah <laughs> but otherwise it becomes a meaningless comparison. yeah um, but when we do that comparison, then even though you might have spent more money and you've got a bigger mortgage to build the passive house. Your weekly outgoings or your monthly outgoings are less, despite spending more money on the build.
0: Yeah, right. Hence, you get back to it being more affordable.
1: Correct. It's an affordable yeah. house. That's exactly right. It's not a cheap house. It's an affordable house.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a great distinction. Um, so where's the best place for people to get in touch with you, Glenn?
1: Or just uh, probably head to our website. So vicus, nz, uh, and contact details are on there.
0: And of course you're coming back up to Auckland again in early twenty fifteen for yeah, right. the Passive House Conference.
1: Yeah, that's right. So this is quite an exciting event. So the inaugural South Pacific Passive House Conference. So um so Finn's Passive House Institute in New Zealand in association with the Passive House Association of Australia and Unitec are holding the inaugural Passive House Conference in February next year, which is quite exciting.
0: That is very exciting. The inaugural one kicking off uh, in New Zealand. Correct. And you've got, uh, I've already mentioned Elrond, he's, on his, he's coming over for that and there'll be that's a few right. other international guests coming. Yeah, that's right.
1: We're still So I mean, the program's still being put together at the moment, but you're right, it's going to be a really interesting event. Mm. Um, and there's going to be, by that time, there's going to be a whole bunch of, uh, you know, of New Zealand-specific houses and topics and people that are going <sighs> to be able to provide some really interesting knowledge.
0: And one of those will be Murray Durbin's uh, Ideal House, which is having its grand opening this Friday. I think the, it's, that's my thing. understanding.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, Auckland's uh, second certified passive house.
0: Is that New Zealand's second?
1: No, it's Auckland's. As far as I'm – that's my understanding. Auckland's second. So there is currently – so there'll be two in Auckland. Uh, there's one in talpo one in Raglan, Uh And, I mean, John Isla's doing great work up there. There's several. They're sort of in the Hamilton um, lower South Island area.
0: And you just reminded me, I was going to ask you um, very quickly, you mentioned this house was going to be – at the Passive House standard, but not certified. Why is that?
1: Um, it's a uh, it, it's a very simple reason. So this particular job is an insurance rebuild, and the insurance company won't pay for it
0: <laughs> to get the certification.
1: Correct. Yes. Right.
0: Right. But and that's the, quite uh, common. The as... is really excited about
1: having a house that's performing to that level, but right. they, they're they're not so committed to having the you know, the, the the badge beside the door.
0: Right. Could that be done retrospectively?
1: Yeah, it could, yeah. And what we might do is, once, once you know, everything washes up at the end of it and we've actually made some money out of it, we might fund that ourselves. So, yeah, sort of watch the space. We might, right. we might certify it.
0: Right. Just before we go, uh, have you got a favourite book for us? Yeah, I mean, I'm going
1: to come back to Simon Sinek. So, start with why. It's a great book, nice. and it doesn't matter. Talking about business, talking about life, it's great.
0: Excellent. What a great note to uh, finish on. Thank you very much for your time, Glenn. Really appreciate it. Good luck for your um, assembly tomorrow. (laughs) Thanks, Matthew. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing the video. I'll I'll definitely put those videos up so people can have a look at them. Great. Awesome. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks a lot for your time. Cheers. Now, as uh, Glenn mentioned in that interview, he is nominated for the Sustainable Business Network uh, Awards. And that is actually on the evening that this episode is due to be released. So, um, fantastic! All I all I can really say at this point in time is fantastic to have been nominated for that. And we, um, regardless of the outcome, it's definitely worth checking out Vicus uh, and Vicus.co.nz. Vikas, uh, and I'll put links to the show notes. Head over to www.homestylegreen.com forward slash 91 and you can get all the information there. Thanks also to everyone who filled out the survey on the website and had some great responses to that. And I've got some really exciting stuff that I'd like to make, probably announcements out uh, about in the next couple of weeks. Um, You can still, that survey is still open. The prize draw has finished, and uh, congratulations to the winner, of that which I'll announce in this week's newsletter but um, still welcome and I would really appreciate your feedback and thoughts about the show and if you do love the show I would also really love it if you could head over to iTunes and leave a short review there it's a great way to help grow the audience and for more people then to find out about how to make a better place to live I'm Matthew cutler Welsh. This has been Homestyle Green. You can get in touch with me at matthew at homestylegreen.com. Thanks very much for tuning in and look forward to speaking with you again next week on the show.